VoiceAmericaBusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Entrepreneurs and business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're also giving back to the community, and so can you. Welcome to Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking to make the most of yourself and your business, then you will want to stay tuned for the next hour. Here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper of BeMoreAchieveMore.com, and, uh, and firstly, I'd just like to say uh, thank you for all the feedback on the show last week with uh, David Shepard uh, about changing your mind, change your future. Uh, one person contacted me to say that it was so good that they listened to it twice. So I wonder, um, do you remember the, the great tennis player Bjorn Borg? Um, he was the first rock star of tennis, a guy who had incredible mental toughness. And he went on to uh, win, um, for the first time, 10 majors in his career. My guest today um, played uh, tennis against him, um, Steve Seabold, and um, what an experience that must have been. And uh, since Steve's tennis career ended, he made it his mission to understand what mental toughness is all about. Now, Steve says it's absolutely uh, possible for a person of average intelligence and modest means to ascend to the throne of world class. Um, that's great. I'm all ears. Now, during this show, we're going to discuss the, the thought processes and the habits and philosophies of the world's greatest performers. Now, Steve is a professional athlete and national coach. Uh, today, Steve helps Fortune 500 companies increase sales through mental toughness training. His clients include Johnson & Johnson, Toyota, and Procter & Gamble. He's written six books on mental toughness with over 200,000 copies in print. And he's appeared on the Today Show, on Good Morning America, on ABC News, and hundreds of other TV shows around the world. He's a professional speaker, and he ranks among the top 1% of income earners worldwide. And he's someone I personally admire. I met Steve several years ago on his Gove Seabold Speech Workshop. And ever since then, I've watched his career continue to ascend from what was already a very high base. And, and I learned so much from Steve that, uh, that day, and I was very privileged to get some one-to-one -one, uh, mentoring with him as well. Um, therefore, you know, I have to say that, um, you know, that experience when I did his program, that was one for myself where I really had to draw my own resilience and, uh, and mental toughness to get through those three days. But I'd just like to say a, a big welcome to my guest today, Steve Seabold. Hey, thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. It's a, it's a pleasure, Steve. And unfortunately, due to tech, so technology error, we're using phone lines today. So the quality um, sound, if it sounds a little bit different, it's because we're on the phone. So, uh, Steve, how, how are things with you? Are you well? Great. Very busy. Running all over the, the country. And, uh, yeah, it's been crazy. It's good. Good stuff. And you, and you is that uh, mentoring and training and uh, working, within, working in with, with companies? Or are you doing lots of speaking at the moment? Yeah, lots of speaking, doing TV interviews on my books, and uh, and consulting for companies. Fantastic. Now, now, what is um? Maybe you'd like to share the story uh, behind your your focus on mental toughness, and where where did uh, mental toughness really come from for you? Well, when I was a kid, uh, coaches, the top coaches, tennis coaches in America, said that I could be one of the best players in the world, and in about ten years, and. Uh, 
and I only, I was supposed to make it into the top 50, and I only made it into the top 500. And I knew the reason was mental toughness, because some days I was really mentally tough, and other days I wasn't as much. And I wanted to know how to be more consistent with mental toughness. So when I retired from professional tennis, I, uh, I kind of made it my mission to find out what I was missing and then how to how to fill it and then how to help other people do the same. It's very interesting. We have a you know player over here in the UK, um, Andy Murray, who's doing pretty well at the moment, and it's been fascinating watching, you know, the change in him. And some of it's been physical, but I think an awful lot of it has been a development in his mental toughness. I mean, would you agree with that? Oh, completely. Yeah, I mean, mental toughness really, when it comes down to it, is emotional control. And Andy Murray struggled with that over the years, but he's done a, a wonderful job. Uh, learning the, the process and just getting better every year. He's a phenomenal athlete. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's been amazing. Uh, but, but lovely to see from our side over here um, some, uh, you know, a British tennis player doing, doing well. Now, I wonder from a, a um, sort of business perspective, um, you know, what are the problems and the costs that uh, you see for you know, individuals and businesses where this, this mental toughness is perhaps lacking? Well, you know, a lot of it is focus. You know, a lot of it's concentration um, on a single core skill or a core business that a company might be might be focused on or might be not focused on. So a lot of it is just getting down exactly. You know, it's coming. It really comes down to what you want, deciding what you want, deciding the price you'll you'll pay to get it, and then developing the emotional control to make it happen. And it can be done on the macro level with a government or a corporation, and the micro level with an individual. Uh, so, so you say there's, there's, there's different levels. Is that, um, is, that, is that to do with training and development or culture? or you know, what's, what, what's, what's, It's what, mostly what it? mindset. It's like in a company, it's the mindset of the executive team, of the people running the company. It's, it's what they're leading with. And then with an individual, it's what their mindset is leading themselves. But really, it all comes down to mindset. That's really where it starts and ends. Um, so uh, mindset is something that we should, uh, you know, if we want to we wanna improve our mental toughness, uh, we've got to really focus in on this whole area of mindset. Absolutely. You know, look at, look at your, your, your ability to control your emotions in performance situations, but especially under pressure, and then how your emotions are impacting your day-to-day activities. You know, are you allowing your emotions to run your, your performance life and your, and your business life? Or are you in control of your emotions and running it through logic-based strategy and using emotions to do what they're good at, which is motivating you? <laughs> uh, so, so, so this requires, um, by the sounds of it, quite a lot of introspection, you know, and, and self-analysis to uh, to understand how to, you know, gain control of yourself. I guess it really is. I mean, it really comes down to, I think, at the end of the day, Chris, it comes down to how bad you want something, the price you're willing to pay to get it, and once you once you have a strong desire, obviously, to get anything, well, then you're motivated to develop things like mental toughness. And if you don't have a strong desire, you probably wouldn't be. Mm. So, what, so why don't we have uh, men- mental toughness? It sounds like mental, mental toughness is very, very important to you know, achieving great results. Why don't we you know, have mental toughness as a subject on, on a school curriculums, for example, or do we in the, in the United States? No, we don't, but we should. We, de- we definitely should have it on there. I think it's, it's a very misunderstood concept. It's, uh, it's an ethereal concept in the minds of a lot of people, and, uh, and it really isn't that complex. It, it, again, it really does come down to just a few key things, number one being emotional control. And, uh, and you're right. It should be on every school curriculum, <laughs> along with a lot of other things that aren't. <laughs> 
<laughs> now I've got your I've got your book, 177 Mental Toughness Secrets of the World Class, and uh, you know it seems a very very well researched uh, book. And, and in it, you don't really pull any punches, and you refer to the middle class and world class throughout your book. And, and I wonder, you know, from your experience, what is the distinction between middle class and world class? Well, middle class is, a, is really just a term. Uh, it's not really even a socioeconomic term in the context of my, of my book. It's really more about thinking. So middle class refers to the way the average person thinks, and world class refers to the way the super achievers think. Uh, so um, they are, uh, and, and I mean, how, does that, how do you see um, you know, a middle class person on average thinking, and how might well, that differ to... Yeah, I think that, you know, overall, the, the average person is thinking about how to avoid pain for the most part. How do, I, how do I get by without being in too much pain? How can I be comfortable? Whereas the super achievers are thinking about, you know, how do I create abundance in my life? How do I create freedom? How do I create money? How do I create all the good things uh, and to really achieve something as opposed to just staying out of pain? And the mindset is like they're living on a different planet. Mm. So, actually... Uh, they might uh, embrace some pain to get to where they want to get to as opposed to maybe coming from a place of safety and security. Absolutely. The world-class performers are always pushing the limits. They're always pushing toward what they want. And it's not so much, at least in my experience, it's, it's not so much out of discipline or any kind of great you know, ambition even. It's more about they believe that they can accomplish what they want to accomplish. They believe they deserve it. And uh, at some level, and um, and they go after. It. I mean, I think it's more about belief that drives them more than anything else. But it certainly is a difference in uh, in mindset. And is this something that you you can um, you you learn, or is uh, is a part of it which is actually you know built into your kind of genetics and your your family upbringing? I think it's more learned. I think it's more. You know, it's, it's, it's more about the people you're surrounded with, uh, you know, parents, teachers, coaches, you know, people of influence that, uh, that really start the, the beginning of the process. But for a, a lot of people I've interviewed over the last 30 years have said that they had negative influences, but they sought out more positive influences as they got older, and that consciousness, that level of thinking or consciousness uh, impacted them so greatly that they were able to completely shift their level of thinking to one of, going from one of scarcity and fear to love and abundance and moving toward what they want. So it is doable for anyone. And, and, did, and did you find, Steve, uh, you know, maybe a point in time in your life when, uh, you, you know, that change kind of started to happen? Uh, is, is it sometimes triggered by something? Oh, definitely, yeah. I mean, when I was in college, uh, in 1984, I was a sophomore in college, and and I, I was poor, of course, and I wanted to be rich because I had been around rich people. I was never rich. I didn't grow up rich, but I was around a lot of rich kids uh, playing tennis or because I travel all over the world playing tennis, and it's a rich sport in general. And I saw a lot of wealth, and I thought, wow, those people really have it made. <laughs> It'd be great to be rich. So I started interviewing wealthy people, not knowing why the wealthy are wealthy and the middle class is the middle class in terms of money. And, uh, and I, within a couple of years, it was so obvious to me why there's such a disparity in wealth in, in America, but also throughout the world. And it really starts again. It's with mental, it's all about mental toughness and mindset. It's really not about anything else. It begins with the mindset 
and then it ends with with uh, with the result, which in this case would be money or wealth. But uh, I, I realized why I was broke, and most people are broke, and why these people were rich, and that was sort of the beginning for me uh, in getting this concept. Uh, there's quite a lot. I mean, you know, that sort of sparks something else for me there because there's quite a. You know, you sometimes find there's quite a backlash towards um, wealth and accumulation of large wealth, and maybe particularly at the moment. Um, just be interested to explore very quickly um, what your your perception is on wealth um, and, and well, the attitude. Yeah, I get, I get. I mean, I do interviews about. I wrote a book called How Rich People Think, and it's been it's been interviewed in the media. You know, reviews in the media all over the world. Um, I mean, millions and millions of people have, have seen the interviews and watched the interviews all over the world. And, and I get a lot of hate mail, a lot of pushback on it, which basically, the book basically says, Chris, the premise is, if you think like the rich, you can become one. And um, thinking doesn't make you rich, but thinking leads to action, which can eventually make you rich. And people don't believe it. I mean, they, they literally, they love reading it. They, they love listening to the interviews because millions of people have. Just last month, people, you know, in the last month, people, millions of people have. It just goes on. It's just crazy. But they love to fight it as well. And, they, and the idea is, I think, the reason they fight it is because what I'm saying is if you're not rich, it's your fault. You're responsible for it. Fix it. Change your mindset, and you can get rich in any free market economy in the world, which is absolutely true. And, uh, and I don't think people, I think people don't say too kindly to that because they look in the mirror and say, well, if the reason I'm rich, I'm not rich is because of me, then I've got to take responsibility. And a lot of people don't like to do that. I, I, do, do you think that, uh, um, you know, I, I think back to my childhood and I, I did a, did a, run a still say today retreat once, um, which was about, it was about wealth, but it was kind of about, you know, abundance in many other areas, but I, I'd identified a list of about 69 negative beliefs that people can have towards wealth and money. And you know, it was just interesting, you know, thing, things like, uh, you know, I, I was brought up, money doesn't grow on trees, and you, know, you look at films and you look at cartoons, and you know, that the, the, the baddie was always a rich person, and, and you kind of, it's quite easy to have that sort of stuck in your psyche, and you're actually fighting it. There's one bit of you wants to be wealthy, and there's another bit of you that's telling you it's not a good thing. Oh, you're you're completely right. I mean, that and that that's the root of the whole problem, I think. And 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 the religious leaders, of course, said that. I mean, the you know the the Bible is one of the the, the leading problems here with in terms of programming people. The church, I should say, not so much the Bible, but just the church in general, um, is is one of the biggest problems because basically it says that you know if you're rich, you're not going to get into heaven, or it's very difficult to get into heaven if you're rich, and and it's kind of a, a you know making the rich look bad. And of course, that's a way to control people. Keep people poor, you control them. If they get rich, you can't control them. So it's been something that's gone on under uh, you know under sort of the radar of society for thousands of years by the people in power to keep people out of power. Because if people have money, they have power. You can't control them. But if they're poor, they'll do whatever you have, you tell them to do. And so society's been controlled by people brainwashing people with these negative beliefs about money, and it's worked. Unfortunately, but for a lot of us, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a real sad thing. But the good news is we can all overcome it by doing what you did. Take your beliefs, especially the negative beliefs around money and rich people, and say, are these really true? Or have I been sold the bill of good? And most of us have. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna get, well, we're going to go to a commercial break now. And, and after the break, what I want to do is uh, maybe start to look at some of the areas that uh, Steve writes about in his book uh, around uh, mental toughness and uh, start to understand maybe some of the, the key kind of principles um, around you know, the distinction between uh, people who are 
as Steve sort of says, uh, kind of average versus uh, world class. So we'll be back with you again just in a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with host Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, it's Chris Cooper of bemoreachievemore.com and cc1consulting.com. I'm with Steve Seabold, and we're talking about... Uh, mental toughness and we we also find ourselves moving into this whole kind of area about how rich people think as well and that kind of distinction between uh, you know middle class thinking about wealth and, and world class um it was just interesting steve you was you were saying there's a lot of uh, you know a lot of press going on in the states um about this this book that you have at the moment about how rich people think uh, and just be interesting to, to just mention you're telling sharing with me the statistics about the research that you'd uh, you'd done into this area in the break um, this might be interesting if you could just share that. Yeah, well, since, uh, since then, for the last 29 years, I've interviewed 12, over 1,200 millionaires and billionaires all over the world. And my number one question was, how did you get rich? And their number one answer overall, they've said it in different ways, but they, they basically said, you know, it, they, it, was start, it started with the ch- a change in my thinking. And that these are all the self-made rich. In America, two-thirds of the wealthy are self-made and one-third is inherited. I haven't interviewed the inherited rich. That's another group. But the, self, the people that are self-made millionaires and billionaires, that's my group I've interviewed. And, and they almost all say across the board it started with a change, a shift in consciousness around their beliefs around money and rich people. And once they started to upgrade their beliefs around that, around those two subjects, all of a sudden, things started to happen. They started to take action to move toward becoming rich, and eventually they did. Pretty fascinating. Mm. <clears throat> I, think it's, I think it's very interesting in you know, what, what I've certainly... I, I had some of those hang-ups and beliefs, I have, have to admit, and, uh, had to, uh, and probably still are working through one or two of them. But well, one thing I have noticed, Steve, and it would be interesting to get your view on it, that you know, some, of the, some of the wealthy people that I've met and really wealthy people and spoken with Actually, they're also very generous, and uh, what money seems to be able to do is actually enable you to add more value to more people. No question about it. I mean, the rich, the rich really have done more. I mean, the philanthropy, charity would not exist without the wealthy. I mean, look at someone like a Richard Branson from the UK. I mean, what, what a phenomenal mind, what a phenomenal business head, and, and what a great giver back. I mean, uh, a guy that's really been a great philanthropist all over the world, and... Uh, 
I mean, you can't beat that as an example. Uh, no, in, 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 incredible. Uh, incredible guy. And uh, hugely inspirational as well, isn't he? He's one of those people who's just uh, so admired um, for, for what, he, what he does and achieves. And actually, you're right, um, gives an awful lot. Uh, I, I, read, I read something um, about his uh, transportation businesses and how all the profits from that are going to look at kind of, you know, renewable energy and all, all sorts of things, um, which are probably a lot of people don't, don't realize. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's often as, as Richard Branson and other other billionaires like him are, are criticized, and certainly they are targeted, really, you know, by governments in terms of taxation and, and the public in terms of envy and jealousy. These people are doing more for, to, to help society in, in, a, in a month than most people will do in their entire lifetimes, and yet they're scorned by the public and by governments and by people that really don't understand the level of thinking that these people operate at. Yeah. So how, how, I think we, you sort of touched on it a little bit before. I mean, what, 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 um, what are the key distinctions, do you think, between the world-class thinking and middle-class thinking that you've experienced in the people that you've interviewed? Well, I think overall, I mean, whether it's money or success or family relationships or being a great you know, parent or whatever, whatever it is they're trying to achieve, they approach it, they tend to approach it in general from a, a consciousness, a mindset of love and abundance, of moving towards something as opposed to moving away from something, whereas most of us are, are, are running scared. We're trying to avoid pain. We're, we're looking at the whatever we're trying to achieve in terms of fear and scarcity and do, are we going to have enough and how painful is this going to be and what's this going to cost me and how much risk is involved. And we're, we're terrified. And we're, we're, we're just trying to basically stay out of, uh, stay out of harm's way. Well, these people are boldly... And, 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 you know, proudly and strongly moving toward what they want. And when they fail, they just keep going. They just don't even stop to acknowledge it. And eventually, they succeed, and we all say, well, they got lucky. <laughs> I think that's the difference. Yeah. Yes, there was, um, I was one, of, one of the first self-development um, series I ever read um, or actually listened to was Brian Tracy's The Look Factor uh, And I thought that was, um, that was a great introduction for me into all this the kind of mindset things and the realization that actually a lot of this isn't down to look it's down to you and your thinking at the end of the day um i'm just going to pick a few um i know there's, there's about um in, that, in this d177 mental toughness secrets there's clearly there's, there's a lot of um uh, different um sort of aspects to mental toughness identified here and maybe firstly i mean how, how in your in uh, we'll, we'll, in a minute we'll sort of talk about some of you know some of the um uh, examples in there, but I just wondered from your perspective, what's the best way for people to actually use that book to help them um, develop their own mental toughness? Well, to really keep an open mind when you read it, because it makes a lot of people angry, like like all my books do, because they, <laughs> because they're not not purposely necessarily, but it's challenging. You know, mental toughness is it's got toughness in the in the title, so you figure it's going to be kind of tough. But keeping an open mind in terms of of what they think they know and what they know and what they don't know. And, and approaching the book and saying, you know what, I'm going to be, I'm going to have an open mind and maybe I'll believe some of the things and maybe I won't, but keep an open mind about it, especially when it comes to things like the first chapter, which is operating from objective reality as opposed to wishful thinking. And I think most of us are deluding ourselves thinking we're moving toward what we want in a much greater way than we actually are. And, uh, and that's why we're confounded when we don't succeed. We, we don't understand why we don't succeed, but the truth is we're not doing what it really takes to succeed. And things like that get under people's skin and make people angry, but 
it's also true. <laughs> so it's hard to deny it. So I think coming in with an open mind, I mean, when I started interviewing the rich, I, I was really, I was, I, luckily I was really young. I was super young. I was 19 years old. And I really, I came in with an open mind, and that was one of the things that helped me a lot because I really did realize after a while why, well, I had, why I had no money and these people were wealthy. And once I was able to figure it out, I was able to adopt their beliefs and become a millionaire at a very young age because of it. That's all it took. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess that makes um, makes an awful lot of, lot of sense because I, 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 mean, I certainly find this with um, you know I, I often mentor people one to one, and but what they what they do often do is if they don't put that um, their views and attitudes aside. They're just um, looking at what you're sharing with them through the same lens as opposed to maybe changing the lens. Oh, you're right. And we all do it. I mean, I still do it. I mean, we all, it's just human nature. But I think if you go in with any, any program, um, book, anything you're trying to expand your, your thinking on, I think if you go in really with an open mind and say, you know, what can I pick up here? If there's one thing I can pick up, you know, I'm going to have to keep an open mind to do it because it may challenge. And my book's kind of, you know, what I'm kind of known for in, in our industry is, is challenging people. <laughs> it kind of makes people angry because I don't, I don't play the political correctness game perfectly, you know, purposely because I'm trying to get under, I'm trying to get under people's, you know, radar in terms of belief and say, hey, I'm challenging you. Are you sure that you, that you believe this? And if you do, let's see the results to back up your belief. And if you don't have the results, the belief isn't there. Most likely over time, as long as you've had some time to, to prove something works or doesn't work. The belief tells the story, and people say, well, I believe this, I believe that, but the results don't usually show it, and so that's why it kind of gets under people's skin sometimes. Mm. I wonder with your, with your book, is it, uh, you know, whether you should say, you know, read one of the, um, the 177, study it for a week, journal about it, then move on to the next one, or whether you would, uh, you know, read five at a time, or just dip in and out, um, I mean, do you, have you, have you, have you a view in terms of what the best strategy might be? I mean, it's funny you said that because I wrote this book. You know, that book's eight years old. I wrote it eight years ago, and it's still my best-selling book. And um, and I, there, what I'll tell you is I had no strategy for it when I wrote it that way. Um, I, I wrote it in chunks and bites, very short, three to five hundred word chapters. That was purposeful. But the reason, what I'll tell you is what people have fed back to me from all over the world. That book has sold a lot of copies all over and continues to sell every single day around the world, and I, and I, so I'll tell you what they've told me, that to skip around, and this is good advice, I think, I just never would have thought of it, but they said skip around, because the book does, is not written in sequential form, it's just basically these mental toughest secrets, 177 of them, and, but they don't need to go in order, because they're not in any particular order, necessarily, so people say that they, that they get the most help from the book by skipping around to what's important to them at that particular time. And I think that's really good advice. I never would have thought about it, but that's the people tell me they do. And, they, and I've had hundreds. I mean, God, I don't know how many people have told me that over the years. But uh, but that's probably a good way to do it. I think that makes a lot of sense. I, certainly, I found I, I, I refreshed myself with it again. I, I was sort of flicking to it. Oh, yeah, that one looks, um, you know, a, a bit more interesting. I suppose, actually, it was a bit more interesting. No, sorry, um, more, it was more interesting to me at this point in time than maybe one I just flicked through. And I guess for everybody, that will be different. Um, uh, let's, let's, um, I'd, I'd like the, um, the idea, you know, this thing about um, champions having an immense capacity for sustained concentration. That was one of the ones I, I picked upon. Do you want to maybe talk about that, what that means, and how maybe you require that sustained concentration? 
Absolutely, yeah. Well, that's what I found over the years is that they, the, the, the great performers, whether it's the wealthy and, you know, creating money or an athlete creating a result in a sport like Andy Murray, like you were talking about, they have the ability to focus on, on what they want for an extended period of time. I mean, in some case, years, without tiring, without quitting, without drawing back, without contraction. They just keep moving forward, not always boldly, but quietly sometimes. But they're always moving forward. They focus that they lock into a goal, and they usually don't change their mind. They're they're very quick to make a decision, but they make they change their decision slowly. Uh, that's been just a couple of the things that that we found over the years. That once they lock into a goal, they have an immense capacity to focus and concentrate on that goal until it's achieved, and they just are not swayed by anyone or anything. It's pretty amazing because it's so easy to get knocked off goals. You know, most of the time you set a goal and then something happens and you think, well, forget that goal. They don't do that. They really lock in, and it, it's pretty impressive to see. Andy Murray, as you mentioned, he would be a good example of someone that does that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, he yeah, springs straight to mind, and uh, you know, seeing how that, is, uh, that has shifted. And, actually, as the, and, and, and I guess the next sort of point I wanted to mention about is about suffering and actually how he suffered through that process as well to move to the next level. Well, absolutely. And Andy Murray has suffered quite a bit. I mean, he's a good example. His mother, uh, Andy Murray's mother, as you probably know, a lot of people in Britain know this, but not a lot of people around the world know it, but outside of tennis circles. But his mother is a great tennis coach, and she's a taskmaster to the highest degree. Intensity off the charts. <laughs> and, uh, and so he's gone through it, and, that, and that's got to be a very tough thing to, to train under. I train under people like that. But this, and being, you know, the, the point that it's his mother probably makes it a lot tougher. So he's probably suffered more than a lot of players I know, having his mother as a coach, and she is a great coach, so that's a good thing. But she's an incredibly intense taskmaster, and so he's had to suffer through this. But to his credit, I mean, he has gotten better and better every year, and he's, of course, it's going to go down in history as one of the great players from the U.K. of all time anyway, and hopefully we'll see him win Wimbledon one year. I've been rooting for him for years, and I hope it's going to happen. He deserves it. Absolutely. Of course, he's also got Ivan Lendl, who's, um, uh, who's helping him too, isn't he? Um, oh yeah, it's very, int- it's very interesting. I, I, you know, one of the things I've noticed with uh, uh, you know very successful people is they tend to they look for great mentors who can help them. And uh, it was interesting seeing um, seeing a game recently. I think we've got a commentator over here called Andrew Castle, and he sort of said, you know, he he, um, he, he won this. It was a semi final in the Australian Open, I think. And uh, he, and the, Andrew Castle had said, yeah, but, you know, he, there was no way he wanted to go back and have to explain himself to Ivan Lendl, who was staring at him very intensely from the uh, uh, from the sidelines. Um, and it's interesting, isn't it, how you know having someone who uh, you know, who a critical friend is also very helpful, I think. Oh, there's no question. This is one of the great secrets of great performers as mentors. I mean, you mentioned Brian Tracy earlier, and uh, I just worked with Brian. We just spoke at a convention together in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, a couple weeks ago, and we were backstage talking about this. And him and I, have been, I've known him for a long time, and we, we had this conversation before, but he was saying that he just got back from Hawaii, and he read my How Rich People Think book, and he said, you know, Stevie, he told, he told the audience this before he spoke, he said, there's one idea in that book that just grabbed me. And he said, if you want to become rich, solve a problem. You, the, the bigger problem you solve, the richer you get. And, uh, and he told the audience, then he came backstage, and, he, and I said, oh, yeah, thanks for mentioning that. He goes, no, that's a mind, that just blew my mind, that idea. And I've heard all this stuff. 
And I said, Brian, I probably got it from you. <laughs> I've known you for 20 years. I've been reading your stuff for 30 years. I said, I probably stole the idea from you at some point. I just can't remember anymore. And he says, well, it doesn't really matter, does it? Because we, because we can all use it, and we all need to be reminded of these things. And he said, if I ever told you that, I've forgotten it myself. But, I mean, just the idea of, of learning from other people that have gone down the road and not having to create all of it and learn all of it yourself, it just takes too long. And I think that's what that's what these great these great performers do is they lock in the mentors and then they and then they listen to everything they say and they follow them. And it's one of the it's one of the great you know ways to expedite the process in terms of success. Mm, yeah, definitely. And you also talked uh, earlier on. You talked about um, you talked about consciousness and you know the importance of kind of raising awareness. Um, you know, that does seem a really important angle for improving, improving performance, but how do you best go about raising your conscious awareness? Well, it's like Einstein said, you know, consciousness is contagious, and, and I think that by getting around, that's why reading books, you know, reading books by people that are successful is, is key, going to seminars, going, getting around these people, if you can associate with these people. I mean, it's just so important because you start to think, you start to see the world the way, the, the writer sees it, or the seminar leader sees it, or the speaker, or the, or just the person you know that you that you're talking to. You start to see the world through their their lens, and it's so. And if they're big thinkers, it's so much bigger, and they're not operating in fear. And it's like they're living this 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 charmed life, but it was all self created through their thinking. I mean, they it looks like it's just they're just lucky people, but the truth is they started with the thought process, and any of us can do it. And I think by getting around that consciousness in whatever way you can, whether, again, reading books, going to seminars, getting around people physically, you know, associating with them one-on-one, -on -one, whatever you can do, that, I think that's the fastest way to raise your level. Definitely. And if, and if you're sitting there thinking, oh, gosh, this costs lots of money, there's, um, you know, in, in, in my archive, this is the 67th interview, and there's uh, master classes um, in there from some of the most amazing people. And, you know, right now you can access them all for free. Um, so, yeah, you know, get out and pay and go to seminars and things like that. But there are some great free resources out there, too. Uh, you know, it's, Chris, it's just, it blows my mind. It's so unbelievable because, yeah, it's great if, like you said, if you have money, it's great. You can, you know, you can buy your way into fancy neighborhoods and country clubs and, and access the rich. And, and that's, a, that's a great thing to be able to do if you're rich. But what if you're not? Well, look at, look at YouTube. I mean, just the free resources, your show. All kind, I mean, I was listening this morning. I was watching a, um, a video on YouTube by one of my mentors. Um, not, not personal mentors, just mentors who are read, reading his book. He said they call him in America, they call him the father of supply-side economics. His name is Dr. Art Laffer. He's an economic genius, one of the great in America. And I, was, I watched him for an hour this morning talk about macroeconomics in a speech he gave in Tennessee, and I mean, for free. And, I mean, it would cost me thousands of dollars to go to a seminar if he gave it, but I watched it for free this morning. It's unbelievable. The access we have to information is just amazing. Yeah, just uh, Internet connection and, uh, yeah, YouTube and it's all the TED seminars, isn't it? There's a lot of, lot of stuff out there, more, more than we've ever had available at uh, any one point in time. So just a case of studying it. But I guess the other thing, Steve, is, you know, if you mentioned earlier, is you've actually, you, you, you study all of these things, you take away one or two key points that you, can help you, but you've got to go and put them into practice, haven't you? You've got to physically do something with them. O otherwise, nothing comes back. 
Yeah, I think you have to decide what you really want to do. You know, what you really want to do, and I think that creates the ambition. I mean, I think a lot of people say to me, well, I'm not that ambitious to become a millionaire or, or to create some other result in my life. But I think if you decide what you do want and then you say, okay, how am I going to get it? The first place to look, in my opinion, is raising your level of thinking on that topic, whether it's health and fitness or marriage or family or money or whatever. Start to raise your level. Find people at that level, whether they're on YouTube or, you know, whatever, you know, like we say through books, whatever medium it is to find their consciousness, get exposure to it and start moving toward it. Start taking the actions. And, uh, and I think you'll be, I think people will be pleasantly surprised how fast you can become successful in something when you do that. Yeah. Great, great advice. And what, what, um, what are some of the key sort of distinguishing beliefs that you've found um, that the world-class people that you've met hold? Well, probably the number one is that they really believe the world-class mindset believes mindset believes they can they can pretty much do anything. I mean, it, it, it's a belief, and they can they can have what they want to have, be who they want to be, you know, make what they want to make, you know, that kind of thing. And and it's that everything is possible, or or most everything is possible. Whereas I think most people think, well, I'm limited in my education, my intelligence, my resources, my money, you know, my situation, my circumstances. Whereas they don't really see the limits. They feel like even if they don't know how to do something, someone someone does somewhere. And they could probably find that person, again, whether it's on YouTube or whatever. They can, you know, the world is so is such a tight little community now, with, especially with technology. The Internet's changed the world, of course. And they believe they can, they can access, they can do what they want to do, so all they really have to do is decide what they want to do. And that's one of the other big shifts in thinking, is most people that I've found never really decide what they want. They kind of half-heartedly want a lot of things, and as a result, they never really get anything. They just get a little taste of everything, like a buffet. Uh, but, but, the, but the truly world-class performers say, this is what I want, and because I want this, I probably can't have some other things. I can't do everything. But this is what I want, and I'm going to pay the price to get it, and then they go get it. They're really decisive. Mm. So I guess that's uh, you know is a, a, a key aim for for people or something for people to think about really to reflect on. Actually, are you right now maybe trying to do too many things because you've got your own business, um, or are you concentrated in one area with a very very clear vision and goal? And are you uh, attracting in the right people to help you do that? The right sources of learning. Um, I think that's a, a, a fundamental uh, for developing a great business, and it's one I, you know, I, I, I face into pretty regularly, and, and I'm still working through it, to be honest. Well, we all do, you, you and me and everyone else. I and mean, I think that's why people listen to this if they're thinking that, you know, welcome to the club. I mean, we're all doing that. And, and the greatest performers in the world are facing the same issues. I mean, they don't maybe face it as much as some of us do that aren't as successful, but... But they do face it. We're all human beings, and I think that's what's so cool about this is that anyone can really achieve what they want to achieve. Um, it's just a matter of, of, of believing it to start with before it actually happens. When people around you are telling you it's not possible, you've got to be able to say it is and keep moving toward it. You know, whether you believe it or not, as long as you're moving toward it, you're okay. Uh, and, and, and anyone can do this. So, you know, I talk about this with the wealthy, with people that want to be wealthy all the time. It's like really anyone can become wealthy in a free market economy but it really starts with the belief that it's possible because if you don't believe it, you won't take action. If you don't take action, it doesn't happen. But it is possible for any of us. That's the good part. Great. Well, we're going to go to um, our, our final commercial break, and uh, we'll be back with you again in just uh, a couple of minutes. Yeah. 
From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called The Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. What if you were able to make extra money in your free time? Okay, we hear that all the time. But High Yield is all about finding investment strategies that have proven results. Your hosts, Frank Rolfe and Dave Reynolds, will bring you the insider tips that will help create double-digit yields and give you the quality of life you want, despite a troubled economy. Just keep your mind open and listen every week for High Yield with Frank and Dave. Fridays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with host Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, it's Chris Cooper with bemoreachievemore.com and cc1consulting.com. I'm with Steve Seaball. We're talking about uh, mental toughness. And uh, Steve, uh, one of the... Uh, Another uh, one of the points in your book um, was about how you evolve. Uh, how do you, it was about competing, uh, moving from competing to winning. And I wonder, how do you? What do you mean? And how do you make that progress, that evolution from um, a mindset of competing through to winning? Well, I think that the concept of I always believed as an athlete. You know, since I was an athlete since I was a little kid, at a pretty high level for junior sports, and and then in the pros and all that. And, I, and so competing was always, to me, the number one mindset. I was competitive. I wanted to win at everything. So if you and I were playing a board game, I want to win at the board game, and I want to win at tennis or whatever it was. And I always thought, though, that was the highest level of the achiever, but I was totally wrong. It's one of those things that you do for your whole life, and you think, well, of course I'm right about this belief. And it turns out I was totally wrong, because when I started inter- interviewing the top achievers at a higher level, um, especially when we came to success and wealth and that kind of thing, they didn't, uh, most of them don't, they, what they, they classify winning and competing as more of an ego-based mindset. That really is more ego gratification to say, I'm better than you today in this game or this sport or this business or whatever it is, which is really just ego gratification. What they said is it's a waste of time and energy. Forget winning. Forget beating anyone. Just achieve. Come from love and abundance and be all you can be. Focus on what you want to do. 
and let the competition does what it, you know, do what it does. Don't worry about that. It's not about beating anyone. It's about getting what you want. It's really a higher level, and I never thought until I started the interviews. Yeah, so, so actually, um, you know, through that, ultimately, I guess you, you win and you gain value from it, but you know, you're doing it for the right reasons, aren't you? You're not doing it from that ego-based, I've got to be better than them. You're doing it from the perspective, actually, I want to add more value to the world or you know, be the best I can be. Um, those kinds of things, um, maybe that opens up more possibilities, Steve. Yeah, it, it allows you to focus more not on other people and about being better or number one or whatever with other people or companies or, you know, whatever that way. It really allows you to focus on here's what I want to get. Here's what I want to achieve. Let me focus on that completely. And whatever other people are doing really doesn't make any difference. I just want to keep moving toward what I want. And, and so you have this, you, you develop this um, almost, you know, uh, exclusive focus on what you want with, uh, at the same time almost with blinders, not looking at what's going on around you, and you just keep moving toward it, and you don't need to really be better than anyone or beat anyone to get there. It doesn't really, if you have to, fine, but you don't really focus on that because it doesn't really matter because it's not so much about ego, it's about getting what you want. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and, and, and if it's not about ego, I, I, I you know, I think... What, what seems to ha- what happens is that uh, more people show up who want to help you. Uh, you're oh, not only better than them. Sure. You know. I think you're right. You see, yeah. Tra- tra- you attract in more, I think. Absolutely. I mean, it's just like when I played tennis. I mean, as, as much as I had worked and played tennis 12 years straight in the juniors and, and you know, really worked hard, kind of gave up a lot of my childhood for it, which I was glad to do, but um, I was happy doing it. But at the same time, there was a price to pay physically, mentally, emotionally, financially for my parents and all that. The day I met Andre Agassi and I saw him play, I was playing pros and he was just coming up into the pros. I thought the first thing I thought to myself after playing him was, I'll never be able to play tennis like that. It doesn't matter how much I practice. He will always be superior to me physically in every way on a tennis court. And, and that's okay. I mean, so, so, I mean it, it, it's fine. But it's, it's not a matter of, and I, thought, I realized after a while, it wasn't a matter of competing. It was a matter of getting what I wanted. And not beating someone else because there's always someone richer, faster, stronger, better looking, you know, more ambitious than, than us. There's always someone better. And if, if you're number one at any given time, someone's about to be, knock you off your, your pedestal and beat you. So you can't really, it's a really a losing ego gratification. It's really a losing game at the end of the day. That's why I think that the world class really just go after what they want and they just focus on that. And that, that's more about creating than it is competing. Yeah, was that was that the best the um, the best player you ever played, Andre Agassi? He was not the best player, but the most gifted player. The best player I ever played was probably Bjorn Borg or Rod Laver from Australia. Rod Laver was probably the best player overall. Bjorn Borg would have probably been number two, and Agassi would have been somewhere in there. But uh, he was the most yeah, Andre Agassi was the most talented tennis player I have ever seen in my life to this day. Just uh, ridiculous amounts of talent, uh, just amazing. I never seen anything like it. Wow, I mean, and how did you, you know, people will have situations come up which are, you know, fairly, you know, fairly daunting. Um, if they want to become world class, you're going to have to stand up and speak in front of an audience or whatever it is for you. I mean, how, how do you prepare yourself to play someone like a Rod, Rod Lader or, um, or uh, Bjorn Borg or an Agassi? I mean, uh, you know, that's just. Uh, Probably a you know a step a significant um, step for 
I say, well, um, it will be a significant achievement and a pretty scary and daunting thing for many people. I mean, how, do, how do, you, do you prepare yourself for that situation? That's a good question. I mean, I had, I had a life-size poster of Bjorn Borg. This is going back to the late 1970s. A, 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 a full-blown, you know, poster, life-size, in my bedroom of Bjorn Borg, and all of a sudden I'm playing him. You know, on television. <laughs> That's, and I'm not sure I have an answer for that because it's freaky. It's pretty freaky. I mean, you're thinking I've been looking at this guy on my wall for five years, and now I'm actually playing against him. This is this is very intimidating. It's pretty crazy. But at the end of the day, I think, and I don't have the answer for this necessarily, but I, and I'm certainly not a master of it. But I think that focusing on what you do, because then I just went back to being a tennis player, playing another tennis player. At the end of the day, so I think focusing on what you do takes away the intimidation, kind of like you, were, you mentioned public speaking, I think, because you and I are both speakers, and I think that's part of it, is that you, after a while, you're afraid to be up there, embarrass yourself, humiliate yourself, of course, we all do at some level in the beginning, and sometimes after the beginning, but, you know, I think you start to forget about that after a while, you just say, you know what, I'm here to deliver a message, I'll do it the best I can, some, some days it'll be better than others, maybe I'll embarrass myself sometimes, because you're in front of a crowd all the time, you're in front of cameras all the time. It's bound to happen, but that's part of the price, and I'm just going to keep moving forward toward what I'm trying to accomplish and not worry much about the periphery. And I guess that's the important thing. I, I, I obviously, I speak and know a lot of very successful speakers. I'm yet to find one who's not um, had a nightmare at some point in time or you know, made a bit of a fool of themselves in front of a, a large audience because something has gone wrong. Um, you just got to get over that, I guess, and keep going. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've done it. It's just part of the price we pay. I mean, it's just like failing in business. It's like every every millionaire I've interviewed over the years, and I just interviewed another one about a week and a half ago in Miami, and he, he said this from Australia, big entrepreneur from Australia, and he said the same thing. I said, have you failed more time? Have you succeeded more times than you failed, or failed more times than you succeeded in business? And he, they all laugh. They all say, oh my gosh, I've, I've I've failed so many more times than I've succeeded that it's it's not even close. And I said, then what's the secret? He said, you only need one home run. You only need to hit one big one. You know, that's all you really need. And everyone forgets about all the failures. Your failures are effectively wiped out. And all people look at is, wow, you know, isn't he or she lucky because they hit this home run, they became this big star or this big, you know, success or whatever it is they're doing. And you only need one. But they continue to go forward with the mission, even when they're humiliated or they fail or they lose money or whatever. Whereas most people stop, I think, when they take a chance. They fail a few times and they go, ooh, this is too painful. I better go back to what I'm comfortable in, and that's it. You never hear from them again. Yes. Yeah. So keep on going. You have a bad day. Push yourself down. Keep on going. Sounds like the message. Uh, Steve, what are the key skills that uh, you see in world-class people? I mean, you know, I'm thinking about things like productivity and you know, being great at sales. We mentioned public speaking. What, what do you think are the, the key skills um, that differentiate a world-class performer? I would say decisiveness is really important. Decisiveness, being able to decide on something, knowing that you could be wrong. And you probably will be wrong sometimes. Um, I think decisiveness is, is really big. Maybe one of the, Maybe the biggest thing. Uh, being decisive, number two, maybe confidence, you know, having the confidence in your decisions, but the confidence in yourself, knowing full well that you're going to be wrong a lot of the time, but you still keep moving forward because you've got confidence in your ability to either be right or to correct it when you're wrong, and then persistence, I think would round it out pretty good. You know, if you can hang in there and just keep going when you're failing and people are laughing at you and criticizing you and scorning you and telling you you're crazy for doing this, that, or the other thing, 
and you just keep moving forward, you know? You keep pushing forward no matter what, and eventually you're going to succeed. The odds are on your side. I think without persistence, without those three things, I think uh, it's pretty tough to be to, to achieve major success. Mm. Yeah, that, I mean, they're good, uh, good things to uh, stick on your board and your wall, aren't they? Get, you know, get, getting, getting decisive. And I suppose um, some of that decisiveness, Steve, I, w- I wonder if that you know, the, the, being decisive enables you to speed up rather than sitting on a, because it's a pretty painful place, isn't it, to sit on a fence and procrastinate for something a long time. But I guess you, by being decisive, you're getting things done quicker. Would that be you know, your analysis of it? Oh, I think you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. I think that's it. I think that's a big part of it, the, the speed. When you can make a decision and say, okay, this is the way we're going to move forward. This is where I'm going to move forward. And you start going toward it. And then if you're wrong, you find a way to correct it because you've got the confidence to correct it or change gears or drop the whole thing, whatever it is. But you're right. It, 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 it creates, a, it creates a, a sense of urgency in everything you do, and it creates speed. So, you, you know, a lot of the, the, the successful people you will say, one of the key things to their success is they're able to fail faster than other people. They fail, they realize it's a failure, they change gears, they go forward. They fail, they change gears, they go forward, all of a sudden, boom, after a while they hit one, and then everyone says, wow, they got lucky. What a genius. So they're either lucky or they're a genius. That's what they call, it's like when you get rich. No one says anything until you get rich. They laugh at you, and then you get rich, and they go, well, if people, the people don't like you say you're lucky, and the people that admire you think you're a genius. But the truth is you're probably neither one. You're just, you've just been decisive, you've been confident, and you've been persistent. That's really all it is. That's why it's that these people are no different than us. They're just, they just follow the major precepts, these, these ideas that really work, and they follow them. So we're coming towards uh, the, the end of the interview now. I mean, do you have a, a few sort of final messages that you'd, you'd like to leave people with? Yeah, I think just the idea that, that if you're listening to this and you're successful, congratulations, and if you're not... Um, and you're struggling, know that you can do this, that these successful people that are doing whatever it is you want to do are no smarter than you. I've spent 30 years interviewing rich people around the world in all fields, in all kinds of fields, sports and business and entertainment and all kinds of different fields. matter of fact, I'm just about to go to the, the, the Oscars, the Academy Awards, and getting ready to go up there and see that and then talk to some of the movie stars in Hollywood and whatnot next week and for, the, for that. And, it, you know, it's, they're no different than us. They're just normal people that take these concepts and run with them. So you can do it. I don't care how broke you are listening to this right now or how miserable you are in your marriage or whatever. You can do this. Don't be, don't think people are better than you or smarter than you because they're not. They're not studs. They're not, they're not geniuses. They're just average ordinary people like all of us that have found some of these concepts. They've listened to a show like this. They read a book. They said something that, that changed, that shifted their consciousness and then they moved forward with confidence knowing that they could make it happen. All of a sudden, they become successful, and you can do the exact same thing. Don't ever believe. Uh, don't be intimidated by these people. Don't believe you can't do it, because you can. Steve, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show today. Lots of gems in there. Um, hope you've enjoyed it. Enjoyed being on as well? I appreciate um, it, Chris. Thanks for having me. Fantastic. Fantastic. And if, if you want to find out more information about mental toughness, go to www.mentaltoughnesssecrets.com. To find out more about Steve as a speaker, go to speakerstevesebold.com. And if you want to learn to speak, um, uh, go to seabold.com. Any more links, Steve? Yeah, I, I do a lot of television interviews, Chris, as you know, and my last 100 television interviews around the world are at steveontv.com. So Steve, steveontv.com. 
Steve, um, been, been brilliant, brilliant. Thanks so much. And uh, on next week's show, we, we're going to talk about bounce back ability. You know, what happens when suddenly the rug is pulled from under your feet, when the unexpected happens, how can you deal with it? What happens when maybe people in your team are going through challenging times? How do you deal with it? Uh, my guest is going to be Vinay Palmer. He's an author. He's been on national TV. Uh, he's a speaker. Um, so it'll be a great show again next week. So uh, do join us again next week. And uh, once again, thanks again, Steve Seabold. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Be More, Achieve More. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, typically 4 p.m. London on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your week. Music.